part of what we are doing is as we work with them, we are discovering the different strategies that will work for pre-K to two or that will work in the middle school. And um, we're finding that there are different strategies, both for the developmental age, but then there are the different strategies required for the different cultures of all the different schools. So it's kind of complex. Hello, friends, and welcome to season four of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. This is a podcast for all librarians, wherever you are in your journey. It's filled with amazing guests, important topics, and engaging conversations that will inspire, engage, and support all of us as future ready librarians. I am your host, Shannon McClintock Miller. I am the district teacher librarian at Van Meter Community School in Van Meter, Iowa, and I serve as the Future Ready Librarian Spokesperson. I have the pleasure of working within my library and school community and also with others around the country and the world through Future Ready Librarian events, conferences, consulting, writing, and more. I am honored to bring these voices and the work of others to our podcast and to all of you. For season four, we have added a few new segments to our podcast, including future ready librarian shout outs and shares from our listeners. We will be gathering these shout outs, shares and questions for each episode. So be on the lookout to chime in and celebrate what you are doing within your library and school too. For our future ready librarian shout out today, I would like to thank the Parkway School District in St. Louis County, Missouri, for their teacher librarians because they were part of the February Future Ready Librarian webinar, The Mindful Librarian. They are doing amazing work within their libraries and school community. So if you missed it, please check it out. And for a Future Ready Librarian share today, I would like to share a very special day coming up, Digital Learning Day on February 22nd. This year, Digital Learning Day will highlight how educators are creating robust, authentic, and personalized learning opportunities for students within and outside of the classroom anytime and anywhere, and library too, of course. We will add the link to the site and resources in the resources of this episode, so please join us and use the hashtag DLDay to connect and share with others how your library and district are celebrating this special day too. So today, without any further pause, I am so excited to welcome Susan Allen and Chris Beery as we talk about librarians as leaders for media literacy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you both on today. And let's just start by having you both introduce yourselves. My name is Susan Allen. I am a 28-year retired school librarian, and I teach um, graduate courses for pre-service school librarians, and I am the project coordinator for what we're going to talk about today, which is school or librarians as leaders in media, liter uh, media literacy. Great. And I'm Chris Sperry, 
and I am not nor have I ever been a school librarian, but uh, as a uh, secondary school, public school teacher uh, in a wonderful, small, public, progressive, democratically run alternative school in Ithaca, New York from 1979 to 2020. So for over 40 years, I have extraordinary appreciation for the personal impact and insights and learning I've gotten from the librarians that I've worked with. But then in the last couple of years, as co-director of Project Look Sharp, a media literacy initiative at Ithaca College, uh, that I helped found with Cindy Scheib in 1996. Uh, the work that we're doing with librarians all over New York State and the country, but particularly for the initiative that Susan is helping to head up uh, in New York State, just inspired by the energy, enthusiasm, skill, expertise, and dedication of the librarians that we're working with to try to figure out how to help all students develop habits of critical thinking about all media messages throughout the curriculum. Oh, that's amazing. I've been to Ithaca before. It's beautiful there. You're expecting um, 12 inches of snow within the next 12 hours. <laughs> oh, a little chilly. Well, here in Iowa today, it's about, I think, two below, but we don't have any snow coming, but man, it's cold. So yeah, wow, that is cold. <laughs> Happy winter. Well, I am so, I'm just looking forward to this and I'm just really excited to hear about the work that you're doing around media literacy. And so just start by telling us about this initiative, um, what Project Look Sharp is, and how this all started. Susan, you want to start with the initiative and I'll work backwards from there? Okay. Um, the initiative is a two-year pilot project that is grant funded by Booth Ferris. And it began this summer with us putting out requests for applications. We got over 100 librarians in New York State that wanted to be a part of it, and we had to whittle that down to 20. So we have 20 school librarians. Um, 15 of them are in schools individually, and five of them work as coordinators for what we have around here, which are school library systems. Mm -hmm. And they, they work with the larger group. So that is what makes it up. And what we are trying to do is we are trying to help them to feel comfortable with constructive media decoding, which Chris will get into, which is a inquiry-based way of having students look at all types of media. And we're also looking to create lessons because Project Bookshark has hundreds of lessons and resources. And we're also looking for them to do a lot of professional development within their schools or area to make this become integrated into the curriculum with them as the leaders, but with it being a curriculum-wide practice. So I'll, I'll jump in on a very personal note uh, to just say that for me, part of the reason I'm doing this work is because unlike probably many of the librarians um, uh, and teachers that I work with, I hated school. Uh, as a little kid, um, I was not print-oriented at all. Uh, it's ironic. Today, I think I have a new book coming out with Cindy Scheib, a little product placement here, teaching students to decode the world. 
if you had told me as a kid that I'd be an author or I'd be a teacher, I would have just thought you're absolutely crazy. School's a terrible place to be. And it was terrible for me because I had some dyslexia around words. I couldn't keep track of letters, which meant that I was a terrible speller. And at least in the 1960s and 70s, that meant you were stupid. We didn't have the technology to kind of help me fix that on the spot. And you don't like spending six hours a day in a place where you feel stupid. Um, but I came from a privileged background. My dad had a Super 8 movie camera. I started making surfing films when I was 13 and 14 years old. And through that, got a sense of my own capacity, my own ability to communicate and to, to make messages. And I watched tons of TV. I learned to read through comic books and visual images. So when I unexpectedly found myself in my early 20s teaching media production in this wonderful alternative school I stayed at for 40 years, I realized I love teaching. Um, but I had kids, some kids who loved books. We have Cornell University, Ithaca College. I had a lot of their kids. But in the same classroom, I had kids whose parents and grandparents had dropped out of middle school. Uh, rural upstate New York. And, and I realized those kids were brilliant, but boy, they were not like me into books. So I started teaching with film clips, record songs, uh, movie uh, slides, photographs, and was able to teach history and English language arts through using all different media forms, but also asking students about the media itself. Who might've produced this and why? What's the bias? And how do you see this differently than others? So I was developing that work for 20 plus years when Professor Cindy Scheib at Ithaca College called a bunch of us together to found a media literacy organization in the mid 1990s uh, called Project Look Sharp. And we very quickly uh, started working with teachers and educators with librarians to um, say, how would you, what would you need to integrate media literacy throughout the curriculum? And they quickly said, well, particularly the classroom teachers said, I, I don't have the time to do this other separate thing, but if I have the right media documents that teach about nutrition in first grade or the civil war in middle school or endocrine disruptors in high school biology, I can integrate critical thinking about media into this. And we began in the 1990s and then publishing in the 2000s, creating for teachers free online lessons that would do that and discovered that teachers also needed help in how do you integrate your content teaching with critical questioning about the media in a way that's student-centered and question-based and constructivist. So we've developed a protocol and professional development around constructivist media decoding. Uh, our language for question-based, student-centered, objectives, curriculum-driven, media analysis integrated into the curriculum. And, um, and we began doing that. And what we found is there was one discipline area that kept coming back to us saying, this is so important. This is our, and it was librarians. You know, they just kept emerging as the folks who said, this is our discipline and you're developing the stuff that can help us to help our teachers to integrate this across the curriculum, not just in our library studies classes, which are really important, but in all of the work that we're doing in the school. So when we had the opportunity to pitch a proposal to the Booth Ferris Foundation a couple a year and a half ago, we said it's librarians, it's getting all librarians in New York State trained in how to help their teachers integrate question-based media analysis to help students think about truth and validity, but also to reflect on their own biases and their own thinking. And it's a long answer to your question, but that's how we got to the project that students. Perfect. Susan, 
I love it. I know. I'm so that that's amazing. Like what a background and just a great way. I'm so glad you shared your story because it's a great way for all of us to think about a lot of the kids we have. Right. And I think as a teacher librarian and as somebody that works like in my school, I work with preschool to 12th grade kids. And so I'm very curious what it looks like. What, like, what does it look like for a teacher what does this curriculum or the projects like give us some background on that? Does it start in kindergarten? Does it start with our high school kids? Like, what does this look like on how we support with media literacy? Susan? It starts with kindergarten. It starts pre-K. It goes all the way up. Our 20 librarians are across the board. We do have several six to 12, but we have a couple that are, are um, and we have a few high school. We have one that's a K, um, pre-K two. And part of what we are doing is as we work with them, we are discovering the different strategies that will work for pre-K to two or that will work in the middle school. And um, we're finding that there are different strategies both for the developmental age but then there are the different strategies required for the different cultures of all the different schools. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of complex. And I'll give you one story to illustrate uh, an example to uh, what you were asking, Jenna, and that is, um, oh, I think it was 2015. We were doing um, a year long uh, project with school librarians collaborating with uh, a one year elementary, second year uh, secondary science teachers to develop media literacy or media analysis integration lessons for science, but using the librarians as kind of the key uh, collaborators with the teachers on this. And, and, and it was thrilling to see how excited the librarians were about that collaboration. And um, I, we found this story out after, uh, at the end of, of the year when uh, this wonderful first grade teacher, Joyce Pixley, told this story. She said, you know, we did the training back in September with Project Look Sharp, and uh, their examples were mostly older kids, you know, and pretty sophisticated thinking about thinking and all that. And I just came out of that meeting and told uh, Nikki Waski-Laura, our librarian, what are these people thinking? I'm working with little first graders. How could this possibly work? And rather than Nicole doing what I would have done, jumping into examples and talking about theory, she had a wonderful response. Nikki just said, well, let's see what we can do. What's, what's a unit that you have coming up that you have some, a little bit of space in? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm teaching them the matter unit, liquid, solid, and gas. Uh, and Nikki said, who are the hardest students you have to work with? And she immediately just said, oh, it's those boys. We've got that group of boys. It's just been really challenging to get through to them. And Nikki said, and what are they into? And she said, oh, comics. Right now, they're just into comics. And, and Nikki just said, okay, let's see what I can find. And Nikki went off and she found a 30-second clip uh, called Spider-Man meets Hydro-Man. Um, and in it, uh, Hydro-Man comes out and sprays at Spider-Man from his liquid body. And then, and then he falls into a puddle on the ground and evaporates. And Nikki and Joyce decided, let's do a pre-test, post-test. So before they did the liquid, solid, and gas uh, lesson, they 
uh, asked the students, so what's true in this little 30 seconds about uh, uh, liquid and gas? And what's not true? Kids had no idea, they couldn't do it. Uh, but then after the unit was over, they showed it again. And they said, so in this little clip, what's true and what's not true? And, and one of the uh, kids said, well, when Hydro-Man comes out, he's just all water, but he looks like a person. And, and water, we learn water takes on whatever shape it's in. And some other student yells out, the vessel. Uh, right, you know, and, and they, they identify that, no, that's not accurate, that, that water can't just be like that. And then another student chimes in and says, but when Hydro-Man spills into that puddle and we see the sun hit him, he turns into a, a gas and somebody else yells evaporation. Um, so they, they're, they're applying their content area knowledge in this uh, post-assessment. But then Nikki, Waski Laura, the librarian, took it to the next step. She integrated the media literacy piece. So she said, okay, so you've identified that you've shown us that there are things in this video that aren't true and things that are true. Why would the people who make Spider-Man put things in there that aren't true? And the first graders say, well, they didn't make it to be true. Someone else says, no, it's not science. And why did they make it? She says, oh, they made it to be fun. So they have that conversation more about sourcing and credibility. And then ultimately she ends with, so what did we learn today about when you watch science on TV? And first graders say, you have to be careful because not everything is true because they're not always making it to be true. So a wonderful media literacy activity embedded in the content that, that they're trying to teach and Joyce's response was so powerful. She said, I didn't know my kids could think like that. No. She was a great teacher, really, you know, eight years in and successful, but without the process of asking questions and probing, thinking about student meaning making, having students talk to each other, have certain students teach the other students about whether she didn't know that they were capable of that level of cognition and thinking. So that's part of the work that we're doing is help teachers to learn how to probe for student understanding and meaning making about all different diverse media, not just TV or social media, but books and posters and paintings and songs and posters and t-shirts uh, so that they learn to decode the world, to kind of read and ultimately write uh, the world around them. I love that. I wish all kids could have that and all teachers could have those skills and the librarians. and. I think about, as you were telling this story, like all the things that librarians do. And when we think of ourselves as librarians or future ready librarians, like we collaborate and we're experts on the curriculum and we know the resources that we have. And, you know, now the digital world that we live in, especially now the last couple of years, not just the things like eBooks or databases, but also just what our kids can find you know, online, if it's a video that they see that their teacher has shared, if it's something that they're finding, maybe an extension from a book that they have. And more than ever, our kids need these skills, but also our, our librarians and our teachers. Your story also shows how the teacher needed that support and education, and even just a person to have that conversation with what their kids knew. And that's such a neat part of what you're doing with this initiative, that we all need this. We all need this as 
why I left school today and the Olympics are, you know, start tomorrow. And so we're having a huge kickoff at our school. And so the kindergarten teacher and I were talking about which video we were going to share and, and running them by, you know, their kids, what would be best. And it's, it's all around us. And so this is more important, I think, than ever. And librarians can be the leaders on media literacy. I love that. So this project look sharp. Is this something online that anyone can use these resources that are there? Susan? Absolutely. It's a um, it's a website that incorporates professional development tools. Um, some there are examples of the media decoding being done, videos that can be used for professional development or personal development. And then there are how many lessons? As of today, 544. That's amazing. Tied to, it's all totally free. And tied to specific subject area content level, you can filter by media type, length of activity. You can search keywords. Um, and it's never going to be enough. So we're always looking to crowdsource and we, we collaborate with librarians in particular to create and move because it's all about repurposing media that we have in the world that students are engaged with and that come up every day for the purpose of critique and criticism as well as teaching core content so that our intent is to develop habits of critical questioning on the part of students of all media. And we can see that in the teachers and students we've worked with who just automatically begin to ask, well, who produced this and for what purpose? Is this credible or not? And how do I see this through my own lens in a way that might have me miss because of my own confirmation biases, things that are so essential to addressing the crisis of epistemology of truth, of sourcing that exists in the world. And, it's so important that literacy and those habits that it's not going to happen through the best ninth grade, you know, library unit. That's fabulous. And we need to be building more and more of those, but we don't learn to read and write through a, a, a unit in one grade, uh, mm -hmm. you know, or an elective for certain kids. It needs to become habitual and teachers can just get in the habit of also asking questions on our website is uh, probably the most important document. We have key questions for media analysis. It is actually sample questions and categories, authorship and credibility and interpretation and economics uh, and impact um, and questions that you can adapt and apply to any media document. And the videos Susan referenced are annotated five to 10 minute videos showing constructivist question-based media decoding, but also unpacking what's the teacher doing? You know, why is he or she asking the questions there? So that's a lot of the work that we're doing is developing materials for librarians to train teachers, asynchronous, a heavy focus right now on asynchronous training around question-based media decoding. Um, and again, all of our intent is to have it be as accessible, free as possible for all uh, educators. Um, and thanks to the collaboration with the New York State School Library Systems Association, the school library system directors, um, we have now structures in place to be able to train the trainers across the state and have plans for how to and developing plans for how to scale up as a statewide initiative. That's great. Well, in, in New York, I know the work very well of 
what happens in New York with librarians and education. And it's just amazing and great that you can share it with all of us too is a really, is a really nice thing. Now, I know that you also have a Facebook page. Is that something that you wanted to share too? And, and Twitter, right? We do. We are not as good at the social media promotion as we are with creating lessons and teaching. So <laughs> we're always looking for help. So for instance, in the last two weeks, two different librarians in New York State who saw our work in different contexts, one of them's in the ML3 initiative, another one librarian who came across her work, sent us TikTok videos uh, promoting and talking about Project Look Sharp's work and all of this. Uh, Paula Trahini Warner and and uh, and Lindsay Cesari. And uh, so we're kind of as a tiny little not-for-profit organization, uh, really just working with librarians in particular who are coming to us saying, you guys need to build your social media presence. Or another librarian, uh, Roma Matat from the Rome area who said, we can turn some of this into asynchronous activity. So now we're working with her to turn some of what she experienced face-to-face -face, uh, into asynchronous activities for librarians. So we're, we're really a collective uh, mission-driven organization looking to uh, tap into the expertise of people like Susan, who's been doing this for a way long time and has thoughts and perspectives about how to integrate it into uh, pre-service education and other arenas as well. The, the website though would be so useful for any librarian, any place, because it offers resources of course, and but it offers some structure, it offers strategies. So it's almost a one-stop shop and mm -hmm. it, it would be a great tool in the tool belt for any school librarian. And one of those things they can pull out to wow their administrators or or really show their faculty what they can do. And so, you know, I really encourage people to say, even though we're talking about something specifically New York, this whole thing is, at least part of it is available for everybody. That's amazing. I'm so happy to have this and think about this all the time within my job. And I hear, you know, other librarians talk about the need for just supporting them, not only in media literacy, but so many ways. And so when people come to me and when I hear this at a conference or read a book or, you know, podcast or whatever it might be, it's just so exciting because I think that's one of the great thing about school librarians is we're so great at sharing, right? <laughs> and Absolutely. And, and stealing. We I always know. steal. I know it's one of the greatest things. Absolutely. Yep. We and have collaborations. You know, the thrill that I see in librarians when you get to work closely with uh, classroom teachers to integrate the information literacy work that you're good at, but have it come from the teachers. You librarians um, are quiet leaders in many cases um, and lead from, I think, one of the most effective perspectives often, which is really to listen to what the needs are and to try to assess that and to try to support and figure out how to do uh, that work. Our role, I think in part, is to figure out how do we leverage that skill and expertise by giving the support and training librarians need to step up the leadership role that they need to and can play, but that's often been downplayed and not recognized and not seen you know, in schools. And when it comes to media and information literacy, we all know 
the importance of that today. The last five years have taught us very deeply, you know, about the importance of truth seeking and sourcing and uh, and self reflection. Um, librarians need to be the key leaders in our schools in figuring out how to integrate this work. And I'll say part of what Project Luke Sharp does not do, and I taught media production for, for 40 years, that's not our focus. There are other places doing great work, but we saw over the last two decades plus, all teachers saying, well, I don't know if I have time to have kids make movies, but you know, I'm using media in my classroom, you know, and I'm teach I have to teach kids to think critically. So all teachers recognize that this is work they can do in a five minute activity, just asking a couple of questions rather than just showing the media. So I think this is a scalable, accessible uh, process. They can also impact teaching more broadly by teaching us to ask questions uh, and to probe student understanding in a way that we know is more effective than just talking at kids. Uh, to have the to probe around why might a database be a better place to go than than uh, Google? We we can just tell them that, but we know it doesn't have the same impact when we probe and one student explains to another why a database is a more successful uh, tool to use. That's when learning happens more effectively. And kids love that kind of questioning. They 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 love it. They thrive off of that. And I love especially working with the little ones when you focus around those things because they're so curious and if kids can grasp onto that curiosity and those skills at an early age that follows them through I think to be more curious and more thoughtful learners you know I, lo I love the questions it's one of the best parts I think of being a teacher and a librarian it, it's a great thing we often school kids out of that you know I was working with a librarian upstate New York last week who said you know, I started my questions and, you know, I'm working with uh, second graders and first graders and sixth graders and the first and second graders were right on it. The sixth graders like they couldn't respond. And I realized we've kind of stopped them from asking questions. You know, they're they're focused on well, what's the answer here I'm supposed to uh, go to or where. So and when I work in the college level, you know, sometimes it takes a while to get them warmed up. Um, but all kids can get back there pretty quickly to the thrill of inquiry uh, and curiosity and asking good questions. But um, we need to get back to schools doing a better job of, of building that into the core of our curriculum. Well, and you said it best that librarians can definitely be the leaders. And we all like to hear that, especially us who are librarians. And I think that is, is the big thing. And that's what really stood out to me as I was just preparing for today on how we can be leaders in media literacy. And this is a great way for us to not only show this to ourselves, but to have these conversations with our administrators and be those people for our teachers and especially for our kids. So I just appreciate all the work that both of you are doing and everything that you shared to make us better at our jobs too as future ready librarians. It was great. So thank you so much. And we will make sure to include the resources that Susan and Chris um, spoke about. We'll include them in our resource list for this podcast so everyone can get there. And then if they want to find the two of you to ask any questions, where do they where do they find you at? My email at Ithaca is 
sallen9 at ithaca.edu. And I am most accessible through projectlooksharp.org. Uh, Seasperry at Ithaca.edu. Um, our book is available on Amazon and through ASCD, Teaching Students to Read the World. If people want to hear some more of those stories, there's a whole chapter that's focused on librarians as leaders in there, and it really unearths the, the process of media decoding uh, in more detail. So we're always delighted to hear from folks and to collaborate in ways to help spread this work uh, because I think we all recognize librarians more than the rest of us, how this moment in time has brought forward the work that librarians have always been doing around sourcing and accuracy and credibility and the research process and the thinking process. But we need to uh, work hard at figuring out how to institutionalize, how to create structures that make sure that all of our kids from the earliest ages all the way through adulthood uh, naturally and habitually ask the kind of questions that will help to preserve democracy, help to make them more successful in life, and you know, in essence, help us as human beings to reach our full potential as well-reasoned, caring, thoughtful uh, participants in the world. Yeah, you've inspired, you've inspired all of us and we really appreciate everything that you have shared. And I know I'm going to listen to this again because I want to share this with my teachers too. And so I hope all of our listeners take this and look at the work that they're doing and take away this as well, like just good lessons on how we can be leaders as future ready librarians within media literacy in our schools. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, it was amazing. We appreciate everything that you shared. And like I said, you're going to be able to find their information attached to this podcast, along with resources and a certificate of professional development that you can download and fill out to use. As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Future Ready Librarian podcast series, Leading from the Library. And a very special thank you to our sponsors, Follett. You make a difference in our library schools and within our lives and that of our students every day. We appreciate everything that you do. Please send your Future Ready Librarian shout outs and shares to me at shannonmcclintockmiller at gmail.com or tag me at Shannon M. Miller. I hope you can take what you learned today in the podcast and put it to use within your practice as a future ready librarian. Until next time, friends, keep finding ways to lead within and from your library. Thank you for joining us for the Future Ready Librarian podcast, Leading from the Library. I would like to also thank our sponsor, Follett Learning, for their amazing continued support.